Live from MoLite Studios in the heartland of America, it's your Monday morning jolt of hot photography tips with a frothy topping of the latest product news from Godox, MoLite, and more. Welcome to the Monday Morning Cup of Mo with your host, the man who put the Mo in MoLite, Michael Mowbray. Good morning and welcome to the Monday Morning Cup of Mo. I'm your host, Michael Mowbray. Each week I pour a cup of coffee and I explore a single topic related to professional photography. Thank you very much for joining me today. Last week I presented the concept of turning failure into success and how we need to be the concierge for our respective businesses. While we can do the best that we can to avoid screwing up, it's going to happen. It's going to happen eventually. The important thing is how we respond to screwing up, how we address it and make it right to delight our customers. Today, I'm going to walk through the specific steps that you can follow to help you turn your screw-ups into opportunities that not only satisfy the customer, but possibly bind them tighter to your brand. And I'm going to use an example of when I screwed up. No, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. So let me share my story and the steps I followed to help fix the problem. So when do we photographers tend to make the most mistakes? The busy season, of course. It's a time when we feel like we're juggling cats with chainsaws and then somebody hands us another cat or another chainsaw. Sometimes it's a wonder that we survive the busy season. My story for today takes place in the heart of the busy season for my studio a few years back. So here are the pertinent details. I had a request for a family portrait session in the studio for the fall. It was uh, sent um, by the matriarch of this family. She had saved up a bunch of money. This is something that's been on her to-do list for many years and something she'd always wanted to do. She had adult children, and this was kind of probably be kind of the final family portrait for them. And like we find most often, the rest of the family is kind of into this begrudgingly. They're humoring her or just kind of going along, but they don't really want to be there. This is what I was told, at least. And as a matter of fact, that's the way it, it all went. So we did a consultation like I like to do for these kind of sessions and most sessions as well. We reviewed all the different options. We talked about what she wanted, what she liked, and we reviewed the pricing. And she left with the pricing info. We also created a rough game plan for the session. So everything was you know, working pretty well at that point. The day of the session comes. It's a good session. And I managed to work around the, the adult sons that didn't really want to be there, but I managed to you know, coax some uh, real smiles out of them and and at least make it look like they're all happy at one moment in time. So I scheduled an in-person selling session, which is called an IPS. And when we conducted that, she narrowed it down to her favorites, but couldn't decide on the proper sizes for her home. I had given some homework previously during the consultation to kind of scope out where in her house she would like to put these portraits. And then you know, measure up um, the area that's open, even take some uh, paper shopping bags and cut them up and paste them up on the wall with some scotch tape and just kind of see how different sizes look in the space. So she didn't do that, like most people don't. And I showed her in 
uh, my ProSelect software, how different sizes would look in different sample rooms, but she couldn't visualize that in her own house, like most people. So she said she would go home and review the space and measure, and she did that. And a few days later, she called with the sizes for their order. She wanted a 20, 24 by 36 gallery wrap canvas for the family and a 12 by 18 gallery wrap canvas of the grandchildren. The only stipulation was it was on hold for the final collection total because I needed the orders from her sons. Hmm. Guess what happened? The sons would never schedule a time to come in for the IPS. I had asked to have them there for the original one. No, they couldn't make that. So I contacted them and tried to work with them to find times when they could come in and review the family portraits and pick out what they wanted. Never happened. In the meantime, thick of the busy season, and the thick of the busy season is in the fall, and the Christmas deadlines are approaching. So I email my client about the deadline and my concern about getting the wall portraits she is buying as gifts in time for Christmas. So she calls, and she says, you know what, I want you to just go ahead with a 16 by 24 gallery wrap canvas for each son in addition to the base order. Now, she said, go ahead with a 16 by 24 for each son, in addition to what she had already placed. I assume the go-ahead, there's a key word there, assume, I assume the go-ahead since the order is placed. And the next mistake I made was I did not confirm the total price for the collection. And I didn't get the down payment. So there's like three major mistakes going on here. Because in my mind, there was no time. I'm thinking I'm providing exceptional customer service and going above and beyond to get the portraits in time. I figure we'll settle this up later. She needs these. She wants these. She's already budgeted for them. We've gone over the pricing. She told me the sizes. We'll figure this out later because I got to get these orders in in order to get them back in time. So this is where the mistakes start to snowball. And mistakes lead to problems. First of all, the assumption, I assumed that she needed these for Christmas. So I emailed an update on the delivery time, the fact that we're going to get them before Christmas. And in the email, I included the final pricing. I get a phone call almost right away. She was panicked about the pricing. It was way more than she thought it was going to be. Well, I had assumed, again, bad word, I had assumed that she had referred to the pricing that I had provided in our consultation that we had gone over, she had not, or at least she had not done the math when adding the additional wall portraits for her sons. Crap. Yeah, my problem. My fault. So I had the full range of emotions. You know, there are the five stages of grief, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But none of this does anything to address the problem with the customer. So I needed to have a paradigm shift. So I shifted my thinking to what are the steps that I can take now? Because grief does me no good. Being pissed about this does me no good. Uh, being depressed about this does me no good. Does a client no good either. So I changed the stages. And these are the five stages for turning failure into success. Stage one, ownership. Stage two, strategic thinking. Stage three, negotiation. 
Stage four, mutual agreement. And stage five, win-win. So stage one is ownership. Take responsibility for the problem. Own it, then deal with it, and move on. Stage two is strategic thinking. What will it take to make everyone happy? And that doesn't mean equally happy, just long as everybody involved in this entire thing can leave happy. Now, I looked at the original order. Actually, I looked at the whole order, and I determined I had about $300 in cost, out-of-pocket cost. And the quote for the entire project or for all the prints was $1,600. The client, I found out, has set aside $1,000. Another thing that uh, I had messed up on in my rush to get everything done, I didn't ask what that hard figure was. I normally do, but this time I had skipped it. The package was $1,600. The client had $1,000 that she had budgeted. So I asked myself, what's the happy spot? Now, to me, the happy spot in between 1000 and 1600 is 1200 And here's how I determined that. At $1,200, I'm still getting four times cost ratio on my out-of-pocket purchases, which is where we need to be at minimum as photography studios in order to maintain a healthy profit margin so we can operate our business and actually get paid. I also, by figuring $1,200, I moved two times as much as I was asking her to move. I came down $400, and I was asking her to come up $200. Stage three is negotiation. You make the offer. You make it clear. You outline all of the details and emphasize how much you are willing to move to make them happy. And some people may be asking, well, why not just make it $1,000? I had screwed up. That was her original budget, and just make it right. Well, honestly, there was fault on both sides. But I didn't point that out strongly to her. But there was fault. She had all the pricing. We went through the pricing line by line. She left with the pricing. She just didn't do the math. And my biggest mistakes were I didn't do the math for her. I didn't confirm the total order amount. And I didn't at least get a down payment before ordering the wall portraits from the lab. So my heart was in the right place, but my business sense was out of whack. So let's get back to the offer. The price should have been $1,600. The client had budgeted $1,000. I offered to do everything for $1,200. Again, I moved down $400. I asked her to move up $200 to meet me at $1,200. So I moved farther. Stage four is mutual agreement. My next sentence after outlining the offer was, can you meet me there? And then I shut up. I had outlined the problem. I had taken ownership of the problem. I had come up with a strategic idea on how to solve the problem. I had created an offer for her that I felt was fair to everyone involved. And then I asked, if we could come to agreement on that and shut up and waited for her to respond. She agreed. She agreed almost right away. So stage five is the win-win. They got a good deal on great portraits. They now know the actual value of the portraits, $1,600, that they paid $1,200 for. I got paid a decent markup despite the screw-up. I didn't lose the entire order, which was at risk. 
So who is happier in this scenario? It doesn't matter. It's not a competition. The customer was pleased to write the check, and she was delighted when she picked up her wall portraits. That's the most important part. Also tied into that was, I still made a profit on this, and I learned a valuable lesson. It was a win-win. Everybody won. So again, those five stages for turning failure into success, and I suggest anytime you run into some of these mistakes, work yourself through these five stages. Take ownership of the problem and state ownership of the problem to the customer. Do some strategic thinking on how to solve the problem. Negotiate the solution. Come to a mutual agreement where everybody wins. Here's the latest news from Godox and Molite. Godox has released several new audio products. Yes, Godox does audio equipment as well. The MoveLink system is a small wireless microphone system designed to compete directly with the Rode Go wireless microphones. The MoveLink is relatively small. It's about the size of the old iPod Nano, and you can pair it with both cameras and smartphones, including iPhones. You just have to be sure you get the right version that pairs with your particular type of phone or camera. I'll be adding the MoveLink series of microphones to the Molite lineup soon. And I've also had the opportunity to test out the Godox WMIC S1 wireless lavalier microphones. That's a mouthful. I tested these this last weekend. I give them a big thumbs up. These will pair with any of the current digital cameras that offer video. And one of the nicest surprises is an adapter that comes with it, and it connects the wireless receiver to an XLR microphone input. This is awesome if you use an audio console to mix multiple sound sources to feed into your computer. It also works with most professional camcorders because most of those have XLR inputs. I used them for a live demo I presented on Zoom, but you could really use them for any video production or even for podcast guests. The WMIC S1 kit includes the wireless transmitter and wireless receiver, a lavalier microphone, and connection cables to connect the receiver to multiple audio inputs. The base kit runs $179 and is available now at Molite. Also coming is a multi-pattern USB condenser microphone. Man, all the stuff in the audio line is just a mouthful to say, I gotta say. Um, and the naming convention on these products makes me crazy. But other than that, um, this is called the U-Mic 82. What does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess U is for USB, mic is for microphone. 82 means uh, it was invented in 1982. And no, I don't I have no idea what 82 means. Um, so the U-Mic 82 will compete directly with the line of Blue Yeti USB microphones and will be perfect for podcasters or anyone who wants to capture better sound on their computer. And I'm looking at you folks who use their crappy microphone built into their laptops. You know who you are. The U-Mic 82 will run 129 and will be available soon in the U.S. Thank you again for joining me for a Monday morning cup of mo. Please subscribe and follow the podcast. I will also be posting more information on the podcast Facebook page, so be sure to follow that as well. And join the Monday Morning Cup of Mo podcast group where you can ask questions, suggest topics, and join the rest of the community as we grow this together. Talk to you next week. <laughs>